You're listening to the Advancing Your Photography podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silber. I connect you with remarkable photographers who've mastered their craft, sharing their insight and skills so you can put them right to use. And I am Mark Silber. I'm an author, educator, and filmmaker, photographer. I do a lot of other things in Carmel, California. And what we're going to be talking about today is the subject of your equipment. But before we do that, let me just remind you that our sponsor is Bay Photo Lab. And here's the deal. They will help you make prints. I use them all the time. And in fact, we're going to get some new prints made. I have a gallery opening very soon, and they're going to help me make some prints for that. But you can get 20% off on matted folios. You can see what a folio means. Folio is like this. Whoa, what happened here? Bah! So folio, see how it folds over like this? You have several prints in here and it has this cover. That's pretty cool. 20% off on those. You can make a collage wall. I've never made that, but that's pretty cool. A group of photos in a collage and that's somebody's wedding and so forth. Kind of interesting. And then 25% off on your first order. Let Bay Photo help you with your prints and support them, support yourself, and definitely make things into prints because that's what the name of the game is, okay? All right, so let's talk about your equipment. That's the second part of this amazing decoder ring. But before we do that, See if you've ever felt confused about your equipment. Have you ever had too many cameras like this guy here or too many lenses or not known what lens you should use? What book you should refer to? Well, that's easy. You should refer to this book right here. I'll make it simple for you. Advancing your photography. I really truly have tried to distill everything you need to know into this one book. Boom. I mean, there's other things you should know too, but it's all basically there. So if you ever felt confused, I've got the answer for you, which is the magic decoder ring. Hey kids, <laughs> you can decode photography out of all these things, lenses and filters and lights and subject matter and visualization. What do I do first? What comes second? We figured it out. And this is our magic secret decoder. It's the cycle of photography with visualization at the center, then knowing your equipment, which is what we're going to talk about today, then capturing, which is lighting and composition, processing, and finally sharing your work, which I was just talking to you about. Bay Photo can help you share your work. You got to get it out to the world. All right, let's talk about this magical device called a camera. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by all the menus and things in your camera? I have. It's kind of crazy. Now, here's the thing. Before we go anywhere, this is one of the best cameras in the world. This is a Hasselblad. It was taken to the moon by the astronauts. It's been used on countless photo shoots in magazines, all sorts of places. The 501C. I love this camera. It's a work of art. Now, you know how many controls are in this camera? Let's count them. So, you know, aside from the fact that you turn this knob to advance the film, that's not really a control. What, what do we got here? 
we have focus, we have aperture, we have shutter speed. How many is that? Let's count them up. Focus, aperture, shutter speed. And the other control is film speed and type of film. You can control that in this camera because you can remove this back and have other backs, which you, you can replace with different types of film. So we do that in digital by controlling the your ISO. We used to call it ASA, I almost called it that. It's called ISO. You can control that. So that, let's count them up. Focus, aperture, shutter, ISO. That's four control points. Now, let me ask you something. If this is the best camera in the world, considered one of the best cameras in the world, and it only has four control points, why do we now have cameras like this? Why do you need to know a million settings? I love this camera. It's the Sony a7R III. It's a real hybrid setup here because I've got a, an adapter so I can use my Canon lenses because I had a whole bunch of them. But let me ask you this. Is it logical that photography now needs to know you or you need to know as a photographer a million lens, a million different things? I mean, how many are there? I bet there's 500 control points in here. So what, what happened there? Where did that all come from? Is that necessary that we go off into the weeds and forget about these four basic control points that were the standard of photography for over 100 years before a digital camera was made? Or is that kind of its own trap? Do you need to know all those menus? I don't think so. Do you need to know some of them? Yeah, some of them are helpful. There's really four key points you need to know. That's how I'm gonna decode this thing for you. So first of all, my mentor when I grew up as a photographer was Henry Cartier-Bresson. And he says, for me, the camera is a sketchbook, an instrument of intuition and spontaneity. Intuition means you feel something. You have spontaneous action with it. You should be that close to your camera that when you see something, you can visualize it in a split second, get the camera set up and capture it. Spontaneity and intuition. So when we get to know our camera, you've got to know, he says you should learn, Bob Holmes said this, you should learn your camera inside and out so that it becomes intuitive. You pick it up, you don't even have to think about the settings, you just respond to what is in front of you. That is more important a billion times more important than knowing 500 different things in your menu. You got to know those four things so well that you don't even have to think about it. And here's the deal, you guys. This is true across the boards in life. Not that there's only four things you know need to know in life. But when you're playing sports, for instance, there's a handful of things that you really have to know well. You're playing basketball. I'm not a great basketball player, so it's probably not the best analogy for me to put your way. I Let's talk about surfing. I know surfing better than basketball. In surfing, there's a few things you need to have under control. You need to know how to look at the wave and see if it's the right wave. 
That's kind of like a visualization because you see the wave coming towards you. You have to be able to see if this is your wave or not. Is it going to hit you in the right place? Is it too big? Is it too small? Is it formed correctly? All those things are a judgment point. Then you have to be able to paddle to catch up with the speed of the wave. And then as soon as it catches you, you jump to your feet and turn. And from there, it's just turning on the wave. So I've named that five things and that's it. To become a really good surfer, you need to know those five things. In basketball, you need to know about five things. You certainly need to know how to shoot the ball. You need to know how to dribble. You need to know how to pass, right? You, there's obviously defense and offense. You need to know those tools, but there's not that many. It's those four components of your camera that you have to know so well that it's instinctive. And this is kind of the big trap that I believe digital, the digital world has brought into all of our lives, all this other stuff. Are those points helpful? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they're very helpful, but that's on, kind of on an occasion, right? The day-to-day -day photography that you're going to do is those four things. So that's the first thing I want to demystify in your mind. If it's all cluttered with a lot of things, let's unclutter it. So here's how you get to know your camera as a close friend. Understand each control point. Uh, look up the words in the AYP glossary in the back of the book here, my glossary, where to go? It's right here. There's a glo big glossary at the end of this book. So you need to know these words. Don't, don't go by a word you don't understand. You're just going to be really confused about it. Study the camera in front of you. When you're reading about the camera, have it in your hands here like this. Don't try to do this in your head. Your head is going to turn into mush. You've got to have it right here. And when I'm talking about something, turn on your camera, use the knobs, control that particular point so that you really have the reality. We want to develop muscle memory. And the way that you're going to do that is by doing these things and doing them over and over and over so that it becomes instinctive. Touch the knobs, the menus, the controls, practice. You got to practice your settings over and over and over until it becomes an instinctive, intuitive thing. And then you just get out and shoot and you just repeat this process over and over again. Not that different than learning a sport or a musical instrument. Now, Bob Holmes made a really good point. If we look at learning how to play the violin, you know you're not gonna do that in two days, right? You know it's, a, it's not a complicated instrument, but it takes time to figure it out, you know, to, I've never played the violin, so I have no, I can kind of judge it because I know what, you know, how a guitar works, so I can see there's strings and you have to learn that it's kind of the same set of skills, but it takes months and years to really get that skill down. But why do we think that with a modern camera or an iPhone, that in one day you're gonna go out and become a great photographer? Not gonna happen. I mean, you might, that's great. I'm not gonna say you can't do it fast, but to really get intuitive about it and become a great photographer, it's gonna take a little more work than that. All right, so you know what aperture is, I hope. If you don't, it's just the size of the opening. Aperture basically means opening. And the it's a funny thing, because these are fractions. 
And that's why F stands for focal. And that's basically the opening. It's, it's a fraction. So some people get confused because if it's a bigger number, shouldn't it be a bigger opening? Well, think about it, it's a fraction, okay? So these openings are very, very important to you because they not only control how much light gets let in. So the smaller the opening, the darker it is, the larger the opening, the brighter it is, but it also gives you your depth of field. It should have been called depth of focus. What, why, why bring in field into this? What, what the heck is a field? You know, focus is, is really what you're talking about. Let's call it depth of focus. When you've got a small opening, you get a very deep focus. A lot of stuff is in focus. When you have a very wide opening, it has a very shallow focus and each has its own purpose, which I'm gonna show you. You gotta know these things instinctively. Be able to look at a scene and go, this is how I visualized it. That's how I'm gonna control my aperture. Here's a good example. This is a deer calf in Yosemite National Park that I photographed. I didn't want Half Dome in the background here to intrude upon the beautiful deer looking right at me. So I wanted that to be out of focus. So I think I used an aperture of about four, five, six, something like that, because I absolutely wanted her, the deer, to be in focus. Look at those eyes, very sharp. And I wanted Half Dome to recede in the background. That's controlling my depth of field. Very important because it's how I wanted to tell the story. Taken from almost the same spot, I wanted the foreground and the background to both be in focus. I wanted the trees to be in focus and I wanted Half Dome to be in focus. So I shot this at probably F16 or 32 or 22. Uh, again, I'm controlling what I want the viewer to see. And it's all about your vision and your communication. That's what you're controlling with your aperture. Now, shutter has another purpose. Let's get me out of the way here. Shutter is basically controlling the speed. And if you want to stop the action, you use a very fast shutter speed. If you want it to blur, you use a slow one. It's that simple. There's purposes for each one. So let's look at some examples here. This is a photograph of a carousel in the Tuileries in Paris. Tuileries is a beautiful park. There's this carousel and I visualized it and I thought, I wanna show the motion, but I don't want everything in motion. I wanna have some stillness and get the motion of the figures in the carousel. So I shot this, I believe, at 1 25th of a second. 1 25th. I did not have a tripod with me. So I had to steady it on one of the, throughout Paris and other major cities, there's these poles, they call them stanchions. These poles sit up there and they serve great purpose for us as photographers. You can put your camera on top and steady it. That's if you don't have a tripod. So I wanted that motion. That was how I wanted to visualize it. I think that the photograph would be far less interesting if I shot it at a 500th of a second and everything stopped. Do you agree? It's how I told the story. Now here's another example. 
shooting these polo players, I wanted everything still. I didn't want the all the horses. Now I could have visualized it that way, but I wanted stillness. And so I shot this, I think at 3 20th uh, of a second, three, one, three 20th of a second rather, because I wanted this, the action to stop. I wanted to get this geometry. That was another part of my visualization with their mallets. And I wanted them close together. So I had this pre-visualized. I only took two frames, I think. Kind of interesting. And I had to be way far away because you don't want to be on the polo field with these polo ponies chasing. They run you over. I almost got run over anyway. So that's you using your shutter speed. And the thing is you're controlling these with your exposure triangle and you want to just have this again as an instinctive thing. So this is a really important triangle. We've already talked about depth of field. Smaller the opening, the more in focus you have, depth of focus. That's your aperture. Also how much light it lets in. And then shutter speed. You've got speed and sharpness. You want very, very sharp. You can go all the way to one eight thousandths. I've never done that. You want something in motion. You might, you might have a 10 minute exposure. You're doing astrophotography. You might have a very long exposure. And that doesn't necessarily, in that case, because nothing is moving that fast, doesn't necessarily change your sharpness because you're putting it on a tripod. But there is a factor there you have to be aware of. One thing you don't want is your camera shake to interfere with what you're trying to photograph. And so modern cameras have good stabilization. So you can go down to some pretty slow shutter speeds and still avoid camera shake, but you have to be aware of that. And in many cases, when you get to these slow shutter speeds, you wanna use a tripod. Then we have ISO as the other component. ISO, a, a low number of ISO, low number on your ISO, it's going to reduce the noise. High number, you're going to get in, you're going to get noise. Let me dispel something right now. Modern cameras do not reduce noise completely. Do not get fooled by that. Every photographer I know, a pro, every pro photographer I know goes by the rule of shooting at the lowest ISO possible. I had somebody criticize me, Mark, you know, modern cameras reduce all the noise. It's not true. Sorry, folks. I'm sorry. It's just not true. Go out and shoot and see how much noise is still there. Now, yes, you can handle it in your post-processing, but why not reduce it to a minimum to begin with? I shoot as close as I can to the lowest number that I can. And I adjust that ISO constantly. I don't leave it, you know, set it at 25,000 and expect that that's going to work for everything. It's not. You know, so, so you have to adjust these things. And these are your three key points. And the only other one added to that is focus. Those are the things you have to know so well that they become totally instinctive. You guys with me on that? Okay. Now, another thing, when you're learning your camera, I got to tell you, don't read the manual. I used to say, read the manual. But the problem is those manuals are not really written to be clearly understood, is get one of these, the field guide for your camera. Now that's written in such a way that you can actually understand it. 
okay? It's much clearer and, you know, this guy has done a really good job. You can get these on Amazon for pretty much every key camera. And I recommend that you have one of these. I don't read it cover to cover. It's not meant for that. But you, you refer to it as you need those tools. Again, you don't need to know 500 settings. Yeah, I still have my manuals. I do keep my manuals, but I try to refer to the field guide. The other thing that's really helpful, you keep notes of the things you've discovered because I guarantee you, you're gonna come back to it later on and go, what was that setting again? Well, you should have it written down like I have in here. I've had this for a long time. And you can then refer back to it and go, oh yeah, that setting, let's say it's a video setting or an audio setting or whatever, something you don't use a lot. It's in your notebook, keep it. The other thing you can do is you can get my app here at zither.co. That's uh, the app that I built and you guys can go and get it and add your equipment to it and then put your notes in there. So every time you've got a setting, you can put it there. I kind of do both because sometimes I just want to be able to look at the notebook. So that's kind of a handy tool there. So there you go. I got a question for you. You guys know why it's called f-stop? What, what does the stop even mean? Why stop? Where did that even come from? I didn't know the answer to this until I was writing my book. And I looked it up. I had to do some research on that. And they were originally, so there's a lens. They were originally pieces of metal inserted into a lens one at a time with different size openings called stops. See this? This is actually a modern lens, believe it or not. You can buy it on B&H, but it's a replica of a much older lens. And these are what the stops look like. So you would put them in and out and they call them stops. Boom, that's why it's called F-stop. Pretty cool, right? So those are the components. I'm gonna just go back here. These are the things you need to know to decode your camera. And you need to know them so well that they become instinctive. And I'm gonna invite you guys to do everything I've talked about in this video. Just follow along with me and let me know how it improves your photography, okay? Thanks for joining us today on Advancing Your Photography. If there's anything you wanted to see from today's episode, you can find the video version of this show on our YouTube channel, Advancing Your Photography. You can also find the show notes on our website, silverstudios.com forward slash podcast. Please rate and leave a review, subscribe, and be sure to share with your friends. And until next time, remember to get out and capture your own images of life.